Welcome back, Red Spotters. Another show here in the Red Spotlight Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. David Francisco for another week of our WandaVision recaps. This is going to be the review for Episode 8, also known as Previously On. Uh, It's the title of the episode for WandaVision this week. And we are so happy that you have tuned in for what we have to say. I I guarantee you it's not going to be a podcast you want to miss. We have a lot of uh, thoughts. This is a pretty seismic episode, probably a legacy episode when it comes to not just, you know, WandaVision, but perhaps also the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. with this especially being the first produced television show uh, for Disney+. Plus. And it has sparked so, so much conversation online. And of course, it wouldn't be, you know, a WandaVision recap if we just only talked about the TV show and, you know, what we think or what our theories are. But we also like, you know, want to examine all of the different takes that people have and takes of the week, which is what I've been calling, you know, all of these different opinions that people have had online. Uh, will be saved for the end of the podcast. We're going to start off with uh, the episode itself because I don't want to waste any time. I want to get straight to that because, I mean, that should be obviously first and foremost what's most important. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, this is Red Spotlight number 304. And a couple of things to mention before we start. I wanted to give a shout out to, and we are not associated with this team whatsoever, but I just listened to their podcast and I thought it was really cool. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, this particular podcast. They're called A History of Sitcoms Through WandaVision. I uh, was alerted of this podcast by um, Jamie Jarrock. I follow her on Twitter. She's a writer for comicbook.com. Um, and she, I think, is a really wonderful, um, you know, commentator, and I love her articles on the on the site and everything. And it's a really uh, fascinating podcast because it's, you know they they talk about WandaVision, mm-hmm. but it's more about you know the inspiration uh, that WandaVision had to choose from all the different sitcoms. So it's more or less the focus is you know the history of the television sitcom. And I thought it was a very enlightening uh, conversation. So definitely check out. Yeah. And if you also want to know, like, you know, we, 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 David and I have been, you know, when the sitcom format was front and center on the show, we went out of our way to really, you know, um, pick out some of the, you know, inspirations and the references or the homages. But like, definitely, if you want to know more about the history of that, uh, that's a really great podcast. Um, to listen to. I also uh, wanted to talk about something that we had mentioned last week in regards to an interview that Paul Bettany gave. And we had talked about perhaps a cameo of some sort. Well, one of the um, showrunners of uh, WandaVision, in fact, it's Mac Shatman, excuse me, Matt Shackman, who is the main director of all of the episodes. He seemingly threw him under the bus this week, and I, I I saw a quote here that I thought was quite interesting and hilarious at the same time. He said, I'm going to let Paul Bettany answer that question. He dug himself this hole. He can get out of it. Dang. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I don't. I, that's the definition of throwing your talent under the bus. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> All right. uh, I'm guessing it's regards to him talking about the big cameo or something. Yes, that's the one. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. some people guessed after this episode that he was talking about himself as White Vision. <laughs> And like I thought it was just oh that's a funny joke that would be funny but I guess yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true he was talking about himself I, I you know when I read those quotes last week that Paul Bettany gave I I don't know I didn't read it that way but it could have been a ruse the entire time let's be real I mean they're not above doing it mm-hmm. but it does create interest for the show um yeah L- look needless to say uh, spoilers, obviously, for this episode. We can't really help it at this point because we're in episode eight of nine, you know. And we're going to mention that so White Vision, obviously, is one of these things that we're going to get into at the very end of the episode. Or at least at the review portion of the episode. Um, But I should mention, of course, there have been a lot of leaks. And most of them have been 100% false. 100% false and that is really interesting right Mm -hmm. you know i uh had a conversation with our own peter martinez you know from the you know our main show here at red spotlight and he is our resident um leak expert he well admittedly he has no self-control so (laughs) he goes out of his way to see these leaks and um i I had a conversation with him, I want to say the night before episode nine, excuse me, eight, was dropped on Disney+. Plus, and he was looking for some things. And a lot of it was, uh, from what he told me, a little inconsistent about what they, what the leaks were even saying or what they were alluding to. But he said at the time of reading those leaks, and again, I don't know the details, they don't really matter, but the, fo- the point is he read them, he wasn't, he wasn't really thrilled by them. Um, but he said that they made sense. Evidently, there was a a leak in there for episode eight, the one that we just saw, obviously, that it was going to involve the wizards from Doctor Strange. Hmm. Well, we know that didn't happen. So, and a bunch of other things didn't happen, I think, uh, in the episode. So, overall, um, I'm happy to say that Peter Martinez was overly thrilled that not only were those leaks completely false but that you know episode eight was as good as it was um i'll just get out of the way with right now david and i pretty much adored this episode Mm -hmm. i mean we can just (laughs) definitively say that and we'll get into more initial impressions you know on the other side of this but i just wanted to say um beware if you are looking for leaks because and i have to say if you are i kind of don't feel bad for you i'm sorry like hey um the part of the show is to enjoy it not to ruin it and like Mm. go and find the answers and then but i also don't want you know this contingent uh group of people to be created that are like ostracized or feel ostracized because what they read or what they want the show to be is not what actually happens and we'll have more of that talk as we get into the episode um 
one other thing to note before we get in, into the episode. Uh, for the second week in a row, these servers at Disney Plus, wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, we all watch the show at the same time. I, I say we as in the red spotlight panel. We, at least we try to, you know, once it's dropped. And I think the first time, it David wasn't here for the first week, mm-hmm. but um, it took us around 20 minutes you know, to get through it. And lo and behold, you know, midnight comes on Friday and uh, immediately, David, what did it say to you on your screen? Uh, I don't know. It was just technical difficulties or something. Or Yeah. Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we didn't access the episode until like, it took us what? 10 ish minutes. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, so I have to assume that says that, Basically, a lot of and a lot of people are watching WandaVision. Mm -hmm. In particular, when it happens to drop, you know, at midnight. So, um, are you willing to bet that's going to happen again for the finale? Oh, for sure. It's it's the (laughs) finale. I mean, oh my god, I can't believe we're almost we're practically there. Mm -hmm. You know that it's it's crazy to think that we're basically there at this point. So, um. All right, that's where I'll leave that for now. There are other items I want to address in regards to the conversation that's being had online on the other side of the podcast, but let's get into this review. Let me go ahead and start off by saying that um, normally I really watch the episodes, the WandaVision episodes, as many times as I can, you know, two, well, three times. I think at a minimum I do. Because they're just so enjoyable and they're so entertaining and they're so good. And this one, I I think I I was a little resistant to go back and watch it again because of how emotional it was. And, you know, in some ways, I was caught off guard with how deep they went in with this. And I was ultimately very surprised, but pleasantly surprised at the direction that was revealed anyway with this episode. I have to say, uh, this is an excellent installment of television, if there ever was one. Acknowledging that, you know, there are some detractors, obviously, and we'll get to those takes Mm -hmm. of this episode, but I... I think it was kind of perfect. I think it's every reason why the show is great. And I also feel this is why the television medium is a very powerful tool when it comes to storytelling, you know, long form storytelling. There are so many people I keep seeing this week on reviews or online that are saying, wow. Like, we're really getting to know Wanda and Vision on a, on a level that we really couldn't in the films. And, you know, no disrespect to the movies, but those movies weren't about them. They were secondary, tertiary, you know, players in those films. Mm-hmm. And I and remember, when we started this WandaVision recap series, the first thing we said when we were talking about episode one, hey, I know people don't want to talk about it, but I th- or I think it acknowledge it all that often, but I do think that, to me... 
the most emotional moment. Looking back, perhaps the most emotional moment, like from a just heartbreaking standpoint of the film of Infinity War, was when Wanda had to kill Vision to save, you know, the universe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that opinion is going to be, it's going to age like fine wine, maybe in large part because of the show. But hey, I'm just so happy because I was a fan of these two characters, even in the films in which they were treated as secondary characters. And I'm glad that, you know, in some way, both of these characters are, you know, finally, you know, getting, I feel, the appreciation and in this case, far more deserved, obviously, because this is their own show. Um, I was shocked at the levels at which they went there. You know, um, Marvel doesn't usually do that, you know, but I was, uh, it was very sad um, to see a character you love go through this. Um. The writing, the acting, the direction. It's hard to see how they top this one, but I have to say it, it really was the culmination of all of the ones that came before oh, it. Oh, for sure. Really, it... Outstanding. What can I say? I feel. think you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing else? You don't want to add no. anything on to that? <laughs> Let's just get into it. I mean, honestly... Mm -hmm. All right, let's go ahead and get into this. And how we usually like to do these reviews is we want to talk about the episode as it happened in sequence. In full spoilers and full details, obviously. Uh, so we started in a place that I didn't expect. <laughs> we had a Marvel, uh, purple Marvel logo transition. And then we pop back into the 1600s. Salem, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And at first you think, oh, we're getting a flashback to the, you know, the infamous Salem witch trials. Yes and no. Um, this is technically a witch trial, but it's it's basically a witch on witch trial. Coven, and, coven trial, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I guess. Like, uh, I don't know which lore. <laughs> yeah, but this basically introduces the concept of witchcraft into the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. proper anyway. And we see a young Agatha Harkness on trial for basically the hint of the hunch or the the gist of it was that she was using uh, forbidden spells or that uh, she was basically, you know, going outside of what, you know, her purpose is at this point and the witches did not take too kindly to that. And so they proceeded to uh, uh, attempt anyway to execute her. And it didn't work out very well for the witches, I have to say. Um, they ended up as, you know, mummified husks by the end of it. And um, what I really loved about this scene, it's like I almost forgot I was watching a Marvel, you know, project. It really... Like it felt so um, appropriate, like in a, I guess, a, like a horror movie about a witch or something, you know, mm -hmm. like it was it. The, I think what really sold it was I love the staging of it. 
um, where they were all just kind of, you know, circled around her, but the acting too, like it, it just, they went for it really. I think, um, in particular, the, uh, obviously Catherine Hahn, but obviously, uh, also, uh, I think the, the mother of these witches kind of like a mother Talzin kind of, I would assume that's what they, you know, or maybe it was the actual mother of Agatha Harkness. I'm not sure. Uh, Some people had disagreements about that. Really? Oh, I I just straight up thought it was her actual mom. I mean, I that's what I initially thought as well, but it it could have been one way or the other. Looking back on it, you know, so it, mm-hmm. we can't really be too sure about it. But um, I feel like they it is just because there's sort of a theme with moms because we got Monica losing her mom. Uh, I mean, we, that's true. In this episode, it was just a very, very brief moment, but like we got to see Wanda with her parents and all that. So, I mean, I know no, the theme, yeah, the theme is loss. Although in this yeah. case, um, Agatha was the one that caused the loss. Mm-hmm. The VFX. Oh, it's great. Beautiful. <laughs> just beautiful. Yeah, the 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 magic. I love the the little crown horn effect mm-hmm. that the witch had. Uh, you know the blue and the purple, the black and purple that Agatha. The little like you know? I don't know what it is exactly, but it was like a yellow. It it looked like almost flames or something, but mm. like I don't know. But that same energy was around the book that you see when Wanda first goes into the basement. Is that so? I did not notice. Yeah, that. Yeah, I noticed it. Um, Interesting. And then the thing Peter noticed it, and I still am not sure, but I feel like they did the age, uh, uh, Catherine Hahn. They did. They did. Okay. They was... did. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. When I first watched it, I was um, I couldn't tell because I was watching it on my laptop. Mm-hmm. When I watched it back on the big screen TV, yeah. Oh, it was noticeable. It's 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 subtle. Mm-hmm. You don't. But again, like remember when we <laughs> talked about um. And we talked about Captain Marvel, right? The audio commentary, which you can go ahead and listen to right now. Yeah, and look at the it's comments. on our feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at the comments. They're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> listen to the whole stay to the end. Um, we had talked about in that commentary that perhaps the two actors that least needed the, the de-aging received it in the, you know, the case of Sam Jackson and Clark Gregg. Catherine Hahn looks amazing. Yeah. I don't know how old she is, but I'm not sure she really needed the de-aging. But hey, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. It's like, it felt kind of unnecessary. Like, I couldn't, like, <laughs> how far down did they go? Five years? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. So, like, that's why you probably couldn't tell much of a difference, mm-hmm. right? Because Catherine Hahn looks youthful already. Yeah. Um. So, perhaps they they could have saved a couple of bucks on that really mm-hmm. but um they love the dh people you know it's like it's like they've um considered it their i don't know their signature stamp for whatever reason yeah um but when it works it works for sure um obviously others i mean the, the ones that are in the best situations um or the best cases of de-aging are older actors like Lawrence fishburne michelle pfeiffer michael douglas um uh, what's his name? Ego, um, Kurt Russell, mm. like those for sure needed, um, that particular, uh, technology. Um, but Catherine Hahn, perhaps not, no. but uh, yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to touch on what you had mentioned. I did not notice. So what had the yellow glow particularly? Uh, the book, you know, when Wanda first goes into yes. the- Yes. Where did you see that yellow glow here? Oh, when they like shot- 
I want to say when they shot the blue beam at her. Uh-huh. I can't remember exactly when it starts, but like, you know, when when they shoot it right around there, maybe right when she turns the beams purple, mm. you see the sparks. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, it must have been a bit subtle because I didn't I didn't catch it either time, but, or maybe I did. I, I, it's a lot mm-hmm. that happens, so I, that's a smaller detail. Um, yeah, I when when they uh, last week when we were discussing about whether or not that book was the Darkhold or just some other book, um, you know, the reason why it was getting a lot of attention was because it, it seemed as if the camera went out of its way to show us that book. Mm-hmm. Unless it was, I mean, the way that it was, that they played the camera on that scene, at least I feel like that's going to come into play at some point. Yeah, I, I don't right? think, I don't think it's going to be something like, oh, we need the book to stop her or anything like that. I feel like no. that's going to be like that bit of cliffhanger in the show to go yeah, into maybe. Doctor Strange or possibly another season of WandaVision or a movie for her? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we should note, though, that I don't believe that um, Marvel Studios themselves have decided if they're going to do season two of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that of the time of making this, there was no intention to do a season two. So anything being set up here for anything beyond this next episode, I feel was going to be followed through in the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Um, if that's the case. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then we, you know, Agatha absorbs all of the magic of the witches um, a lot of people feel that that's exactly what she's going to do with um, Wanda or the kids. It's interesting, though. Um, I guess we can pick back up on this at the end of the episode, but there is still some there's still some questions about um, uh, what Agatha really is going to do here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get more hints about. Well, let's get into it. So she, we, we uh, get back into present day, and Agatha reveals herself. And off the bat, we get a couple of definitive answers. She is as curious as the rest of us as to how the hell any of this is even happening. Mm-hmm. So as we suspected, it, it, so like again, like the, that song, at, that 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 musical number at the end of last week, in and of itself, was also misdirection. You know, it was like it was Agatha all along. No, it, it really wasn't. Like I guess that some people were like of the mind that oh, it was Agatha who was putting up this illusion, mm-hmm. who was responsible for all of the things going bad all along. No, well, I mean, anything going bad within the hex. I say yes, but sure. if you thought, oh, it was <clears throat> it was Agatha, she started the hex, like, no, that's not it. She's Everything that kind of, like, went weird or wrong in this, it's because of Agatha. Right. Um, and she is also um, puzzled because she recognizes or at least she assumes or 
Wanda's a witch as well. Mm -hmm. And so immediately Wanda is just completely, you know, unaware of, I guess, some fundamentals that Agatha is, you know, familiar with witchcraft. And she basically just says, look, this is some cool shit you got going on around here. Um, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she, she's just there for her own thing, really. Yeah. You want to say something? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to pipe in with this. Um, And look, I think the best part about all of this, this particular sequence, and it was a pretty lengthy sequence, Catherine Hahn... Jesus, is she eating up the, the, you know, she's chewing the scenery, as they say. Like, she's just fully onto it, and she's just so entertaining, you know? Uh, when she says, uh, you know, just, and she's also hilarious, too. Like, boy, that accent really does come and go, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Or the, what is it? The fake Pietro, Fietro, as or I like Fietro. to call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what I like from beginning to this part is that, She's almost towing the line of psychopath and like pure evil almost. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like when they were like, oh, you use the dark magic, blah, blah, blah. And she, and she, and she says that one line of it, like, it controls me as much as I control it. I can't remember the exact line. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, not, not entirely, no. But, uh, uh what 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 is it what is it she was talking about? Well she's trying to like make a defense for herself almost and it's just <clears throat> it was a line of her Ah oh man, I wish I can remember it. I mean I don't know what it you're talking about, okay. I gotta be honest. Um Well it's just but... like she she's like <laughs> she's trying to explain herself how she's working with magic and everything, but like it's almost Right. But as like as the scene goes on, it's almost like you can't tell whether she's like being psychotic or just like uh, I don't know playing a joke, I guess to to someone. It's so uh, yeah, no, just, that's her demeanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's just that's just what I like about her acting throughout those two scenes. <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah, uh, you know, just some wonderful moments. You know, she knocks Wanda back and forth. <laughs> you know, on two columns. You know, and she's like, look, I try to be patient with you. You know, I try to play along. I was trying to gently wake you up. And you just seem to want to drown in your own thing, which is, that's true, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And also quite sad. Um, But that's really kind of, you know, the state of affairs, as it were, when we're off at the beginning. And look, Agatha explains it, you know, rather quickly. You know, I've been doing this witching thing, girl, for like hundreds of years. And I don't know how you pulled this off. I couldn't even pull this off. It takes years to even do the simplest sleight of hand. And yet you were able to do this and you're telling me you don't know. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're going to tell me how you know. <laughs> and we're going to walk down memory lane. We're going to go into your memories and we're going to find out where all of this thing even started. You know? Mm. And I don't know. Catherine Hahn is amazing in this sequence as she's like going through all of the motions. 
Um, but I guess, look, this is kind of the point where we need uh, some definitive answers, and we definitely got a lot of those with this episode. And, um, yeah, she reminds Wanda, hey, by the way, you need to kind of play along here because I kind of have your kids locked in my basement, um, which is pretty sinister but also kind of funny how she says it it's it's again it's it's a real it's an interesting tightrope she's walking on yeah she is really on it um quite balanced if you know i might say um and so it's interesting david so we're basically this is you know the final confirmation the final nail in the coffin that this was the flashback episode in a sense and you said last week that you wouldn't really be all that thrilled if this is what it ended up being. So I gotta, I gotta ask you, what was going through your mind as this seemingly was confirmed to your face in the moment, anyway? Um. Well, I just thought it was just it was just going to stop the story completely. That's the thing that I was more worried about. Uh, but I like what they did here where they actually put themselves into the flashback and everything almost like, you know, breaking the fourth wall within this show, I guess. And yeah, that, I think that's, that was the best way to do it basically. Yeah. And I think that was a legitimate concern. You know, the, 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 I think your fear was if we're going to do a flashback episode where they kind of reveal all the answers, it would almost feel like, well, I mean, Sure, that's nice, but do we really need to stop the story to take a trip down memory lane? Mm. And I'm sure, you know, as I was describing it, that's what it would sound like. But they managed, I think, overall, in the sequences that we're about to say, to not only reveal what happened, but also to really um, build even more character for Wanda. Which is what's really most important here. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I know some detractors uh, clearly don't agree, but I, you know, for me, the answers were handled, the answers that were delivered were handled in such a way that I thought was really, really well done. But ultimately, as we're going to expand throughout, you know, these sequences, what really won me over was the writing, <laughs> with, in particular with Wanda, and um, the uh, subsequent punches to the heart that we get to see. I have to say, you know, um, yes, you got cut off real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying just the, you know, the subsequent punches to the heart that the sequences, um, that they wore one after the other. Okay. You know? And we often think of a lot of Marvel characters that have suffered through loss. Um, you know, I think the two primary ones that, you know, in the earlier years, um, or even just as recently as Endgame, perhaps, we think of Chris Hemsworth's Thor or Chris Evans' Captain America, both characters that have really lost everything and then forge new paths going forward. Mm -hmm. Curiously enough, one of those characters that was never mentioned was Wanda. And, you know, 
looking through all of this, it almost just make you feel makes you feel shitty for like not even realizing, oh crap, it has just been a constant series of losses one after the other. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought we were gonna get into that in Doctor Strange. But then they announced the show and I was like, please bring it up. Like, yeah, like in a messed up way, break her down, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm hope you're happy because I think they've delivered on that Um, (laughs) in particular with this episode. So let's get into this first sequence here. We go back to Sokovia and we see a young Wanda and Pietro with their parents And I have to say, what unfolds here is just sweet and, um, it's sweet and it's also very bitter. Mm -hmm. You know, the family dynamic that they had, I think was just so heartwarming. And yes, Wanda was a child, but it should say something that that instance of her you know putting on the tape and we'll get to the tapes in a bit and watching the sitcom with her family that may be the happiest we've ever seen that character (laughs) ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably oh god just to see wanda smile at all i mean that that's I mean, you know, in the beginning episodes for sure, but like as we've gotten later into the season, we that's become more of a rarity. Um, but we get, uh, you know, the reason, and I think some people on some level perhaps suspected that Wanda was, you know, low key a huge fan of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, why would this entire hex be using that as some kind of a method or format mind you and um and i love this i actually love this little um i know that again and i don't want to start the whole retcon conversation i mean that that is there's a place for that if it is i don't care also and if it because this is kind of the way you do a a retcon though Mm -hmm. i mean but again at the same time like what was there really to retcon? Yeah. Just a couple a couple lines of dialogue? I mean, we didn't see that, so... Well, the thing, though, is that it's not really a retcon. The thing that people get mad about retcons is that it takes away the importance of a scene. Mm. So, like... Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it... Timeless Child, Doctor Who. Timeless Child. Uh... I don't know. Actually, I don't, I don't know. I'm still in the mindset that uh, the master was lying. That, <laughs> but okay, okay. Well, yeah. I hope you're right about that. I hope so too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's just again, it, it there's nothing real. It doesn't take away the importance of a scene. Wanda right. thought she was going to die. Still in that, even though she didn't know what she did, yeah, she still thought she was going to die. She still mm-hmm. thought she was still trapped under there for two days in fear. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what is it taking away? <laughs> Nothing. In fact, it's adding to it now that we're actually seeing it mm-hmm. on, on actually multiple levels. So we're, you know, it's revealed that her dad sold classic sitcom 
videotapes, DVDs, to earn some extra money. Uh, we see their living situation. It's not necessarily the best of places in, in a in a state in a country state as Sokovia that you know the other movies have referred to a failed state. I think Zemo called it a failed state before you know Ultron even happened. So, um, there was that. Uh, but I I love this touch of um, Wanda being a fan. Of sitcoms and as you know a, a fan of sitcoms my whole life i can definitely i feel like more i think she feels more relatable in that sense um at least to me and the fact that she you know in in various in these various sequences that we see unfold she's using them as you know therapy of some <laughs> sort right they're very therapeutic they're very cathartic uh i don't know i i kind of really relate to that whole situation you know like you need a really good sitcom to you know kind of uh take you away to a little bit of a dream world mm -hmm. in the sense and so i i especially love that and those moments where they're all watching the dick van dyke show as a family i love how you know um you know the the, the sound of the sitcom fades away and then the score sets in the score is so beautiful all throughout this episode but it's so beautiful in large part because of how much more emotional it makes the sequence because you know you're seeing basically the final moments of something that isn't going to last i suspected initially um and i was proven correct that this was going to be the fatal event that you know was referenced back in age of ultron even though i still was very much caught off guard in terms of how it was executed i was really you know i was cut off i was really caught off guard <laughs> i saw it coming and i was still caught off guard you know how you know how like because it honestly it, it it's really traumatic oh yeah. like because you're, you're sucked into this you're watching these people, you know, live their life, and then all of a sudden, a bomb goes off. And in terms of how it's filmed, it's also really horrifying. They also show you, basically, that the parents were crushed. Um, if not, I think they were crushed, probably, by the building after the, you know, the bomb blew up. But it's just, it is disturbing. It is horrifying. And even in my second rewatch... After, again, having already seen the episode, I was so sucked into it, I literally jumped. I literally jumped out of my seat. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was coming, but I still, because of how quick it happens, like, that was a really wonderfully done moment. Um, that is really just horror. Horror, you know? It's just a bunch of horror happening. Uh, but I wanted to say, though, obviously... If you notice, when they were watching the Dick Van Dyke show, clearly that was the set for the first episode of WandaVision, if you didn't catch it. Oh. There are even scenes, yeah, there are even scenes where, you know, Dick Van Dyke and Mary, Mary, Mary Taylor Moore were, you know, having an exchange in the kitchen, kind of like we, we were in the first episode of WandaVision. So, like, I love how, you know, without even having to say anything, mm -hmm. they're saying so much by just showing you... um really all of the inspiration that wanda took for her hex fantasy you know mm -hmm. um but even 
Oh, Jesus, man. Just, you know, the, you know, Pedro and, um, Wanda survive and, you know, what basically it comes as we were told in Age of Ultron is they're waiting and waiting and waiting for that bomb to go off. Now, I wasn't sure what they were going for at the moment, but it seems very much so that they're heavily implying Wanda had some sort of magic or power before the Mind Stone even came into play because there's a sequence in which she's reaching out with her hand to make it stop. And then as, you know, Catherine Hahn pulls back the curtain, she's basically saying, oh, so you used this kind of protection spell or something, even though Wanda's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't, I, I didn't do that. Um, but Catherine, I'm, excuse me, Agatha, basically one of the same at this point. <laughs> Agatha is is convinced that that was Wanda that made the bomb stop. Do you feel perhaps that wasn't what happened? Or? No, because again, when the scene first started and Pietro calls out to Wanda. Um, She's not around. She's, She's not, not around, around until mm -hmm. grown-up her walks in. And Basically, so yeah. when the bomb is hitting, you could say that the trauma of it is hitting her back, that she kind of wants to forget yeah. about it. She wants to use mm -hmm. her current magic to make it go away. Like she said, mm -hmm. it was all a dream. Yeah. And so... No. And and so and this is the retcon people are talking about, right? That she had magic before. I never saw it that she had magic before the. I think why people are saying that is because in the next sequence, Agatha seems to tell, seems to say to Wanda, that the Mind Stone amplified what was otherwise dying on the vine. Hmm. She seemingly, Agatha anyway, is of the mind that. Wanda had some kind of abilities that otherwise would have gone away and the Mind Stone amplified them. That's, I think, what people are... That was the, the sequence in which it was giving more credence to that point of view. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was, but, I was yeah, genuinely, genuinely confused about it because I was like, no, that scene made it vague as to like whether she did have magic or not. Mm -hmm. so I don't know I just thought it was weird and the thing though people want to say that oh she was a mutant or it's like oh this is probably how they're going to show mutants as that they're still actually here and all that or I don't know <laughs> I don't care I don't know. I don't care. I don't care, man. Like it, I'm not here for this. You know, you can give me the mutants later on, but like that's not really the most important thing going on here. Oh, Could yeah. she be a mutant? Maybe. But I think it seemed the episode uh, was falling on the side that she's a witch. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's a, with magic, it's very different, you know, because mm -hmm. like with, your, with the powers of the mutants, like you're born with it. With magic, either it's not really a mutation, like you just somehow have it, or you can gain it either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people were actually pointing out similarities. Um, 
you know, you got to love those Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, right? They love to you know, <laughs> stick their noses in to remind people. There was some people who were drawing comparisons between this episode in terms of how they were treating their flashbacks. Remember that episode from season six, Inescapable? It was um, the Fitzsimmons episode when they're going, you know, they're in basically a framework in environment where they're going through, the, you know, they're sharing their brains together, basically. Mm. And they're going through their memories and then they become the version that we see in the flashback taking place. Yeah. You know, I think Simmons even becomes a little version of herself as a, as a little girl mm -hmm. in that particular episode. So you got to love those fans always trying to remind people, Hey, we, we existed too. So <laughs> we did it there's first. That. We, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't even want to like, I know some people are getting mad at them because they're like, well, you have to be reminded of it. Well, clearly you do. Cause you never saw it. Mm -hmm. Point being, that was a really great episode, too, from that show. Um, if you want to take a look at that one. Any episode with Fitzsimmons is the best. <laughs> yes, yes. Netflix, uh, go watch it. Um, or Disney Plus, if you're practically anywhere else in the world. You already have it on Disney Plus. But if you're in the U.S., Netflix, if you want to watch that one. Anyway, moving on. A little bit of a through line here. Hydra comes into the picture here, interestingly enough. Oh, I also want to mention uh, that bomb clearly was what we were hearing in the first commercial yeah. uh, of the first episode. So I think that was pretty obvious as well as, well, the second commercial I feel was the Hydra soak, right? Yeah. Or was it the third episode? Maybe it was the third episode that was the Hydra soak. Well, and then the second commercial also had like a Strucker watch Hydra connection. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Strucker. Yeah. We had, a, we had a door in the Hydra symbol open up and then- we walk into the next phase of Wanda's life where she is um, with Hydra. Well, it's two things. Uh, the Hydra Silk, the box came in the blue box, the blue yeah. Mind Stone, whatever thingy. So it's two things. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think that was the first three commercials we've got covered so far. Um, and that's seemingly what was Ooh, right. The Hydra Silk thing was like a commercial about you know getting away to paradise or something or yeah. get out of your mind. Using mm -hmm. the Mind Stone. She was trying to do something better, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it fits, kind of. It fits, man. It, a lot of it, you know, the, the thematic work is so, I think, expertly done here on this show. So we get into the Hydra phase. Uh, I love that little line or that little jab that, um, you know, Agatha threw at Wanda. You know, she's a witch, but she still has her standards in a way where she's like, so your answer to basically uh, uh, being, I don't know, anti-war or like anti-Stark or something is to join, in her words, an anti-freedom terrorist organization. <laughs> Pretty much kind of like ridiculing her for like, really, you joined Nazis? Yeah. That's kind of defeating your own purpose. So that's, again, she was young. They were radicalized. We all knew this, but yeah. like, that happens. I, I don't know. I, I like that line. Um, and then we see Wanda. And um, this is uh, the beginning of her Hydra experimentation. But clearly this thing was not, uh, was going to go the way that they thought. And that is while through some sorcery, I guess it was the the uh, the Mind Stone that was doing this because the Mind Stone and this this did something that we weren't even aware it was possible. The Mind Stone removed itself from the scepter and then opened itself up to reveal itself to Wanda 
all at the same time, assuming that that's what was going on, that the stone was messing with the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, that when they play it back, the Hydra scientists were like, what the fuck happened in there? They didn't know what happened in there. But for the rest of us, um, we get to see what Wanda sees. And she saw uh, the Scarlet Witch from the Marvel Comics. <laughs> The Scarlet Witch in the Marvel comics with the classic costume. That was an amazing visual. Mm-hmm. It's... Never mind. <laughs> what did you think in that moment? What did you think it was going to go to when you saw that? I'm sure you realized what you were watching and what. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know it was going to be her powers. It's just, my thing though is that it just kind of opens up a lot more questions. Like, why did it go to her? Like, well yeah like i don't know i just i feel like i wish we could have seen like how the did it sense her power then because again when you look at agatha's line of dialogue so like the infinity stone came to you and amplified what was otherwise going to die on the vine what was seemingly already there with you was the infinity stone attracted to the power that wanda had unknowingly Mm mm-hmm yeah and it seemingly showed her a vision no pun intended a vision of her future perhaps of Mm -hmm. of who she's meant to be weirdly i don't know why i keep i my first thought was kind of like a reincarnation type of thing Hmm. okay okay i don't know why it's that's just where my mind goes to because i i just i don't know i just i never really thought like future although i should have because uh in the avengers they were like i don't know they say they're like oh we can see the future you know it's opened my mind to so many things blah 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 but i don't know i just my mind went to like reincarnation that this is a past life that she used to live or something or maybe like the entity of the scarlet witch is going into her i don't know i'm think uh, my mind goes into like goes to a hundred different things and so uh that's why like this thing this scene confuses me because it's like again, why did a mind stone go to her? Did that happen to anyone else who touched it or something? Clearly, it didn't. And uh, and this uh, this, uh, 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 this isn't like a critique or anything like that. I just got, I kind of wish that she would have touched it herself, and then mm. she sort of had a moment like with Monica, where she sure. where. Like this energy is almost taking over her, and like she's seeing all these past things of like, oh, like mama, papa, whatever, and then the bomb, and she's just kind of like she's focusing all of that energy into herself, and that's how her powers came to be. Almost, that's just what I wish would have yeah, happened. Yeah, because well, it's like that in and of itself isn't clear as well because. Um, you know, before this, we were under the impression that both Wanda and Pietro were um the twins as you know the hydra scientists refer to them that they perceived their powers through the mind stone through you know experimentation with you know loki's scepter and we know through agents of shield that they were the only ones that survived the experimentation process mm-hmm. so it's not as if this ever occurred to anybody else um it didn't with pietro um, I don't know if Pietro himself was also magic. Um, That's the thing that confuses me is because 
okay, like, like let's say the theory is that she was a mutant. She did have these abilities before, and the uh, the Mind Stone awakened it or amplified it. That makes sense for Pietro. Mm. But it just, it kind of doesn't make sense with Wanda because, again, the Mind Stone came to her, showed her something, and then now she can do all these things. And so how does that work with Pietro? I don't think it was the only, well, I think, I, 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 that moment, I'm not so sure that was the genesis of her powers. Like, the way that I look at it is, she had abilities beforehand unknowingly. I think the Mind Stone was drawn to her for reasons that we don't know about yet. But is that where her, like, the powers that we see her have in the Avengers movies happen? I don't think so i think perhaps it amplified them but that doesn't mean that that the stone or the staff wasn't used again it's not as if i mean i'm not of the mind that that was the only instance in which wanda was exposed to the scepter through the experimentation process you know and or maybe it was i don't know and then the same question there goes for pietro i don't think it's really all that clear um but I'm sure we'll get those answers at some point. Um, let me get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Agatha is, you know, like us, trying to put some of these pieces together. Um, and so next we go into the Avengers compound. Oh, wait. Um, apparently the... So after she like touches the mind stone, she's in her cell watching a sit mm-hmm. under the sitcom. The doll yeah. that you see the little girl holding in the TV is this, uh-huh. is the same doll that uh, Vision uses as a way to practice putting on diapers. Apparently. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I love this show. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I didn't catch that. Wow, man, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for letting me know about that. You know, I love these little details. Well, we're back in Avengers Compound, and it looks, you know, her room basically looks like a, re- a recreation out of uh, Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, happens. The sequence that we see here with Wanda and Vision, I think it happens immediately after Age of Ultron. Um, it's a tough scene. Um I mean, it's a great scene, but it's just, you know, Wanda is just at a real low point here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's watching Malcolm in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. Vision walks in here or phases in, if you want to put it that way. He doesn't really go through a door. And, you know, he just talks with Wanda about what she's going through and you know she kind of describes in her own words what it feels like and she just feels like she's drowning you know and vision asks what can i do to i don't know make you feel better Mm -hmm. and she's like the only thing that'll make me feel better is to see pietro again and she realizes of course that that can't happen and she didn't mean to be standoffish but you know vision himself is also kind of at an interesting impasse because he understands the you know i guess the chemical compounds of what she's going through but he has no real understanding though 
of what it feels like. Because as he says in his own words, um, in order to feel loss, you, you should have loved someone and I've had no loved ones to lose. And so that's a really interesting, um, it's the other side of the spectrum, basically, of what Wanda, you know, is experiencing. And one of the things that, you know, Vision, Vision pretty much says to her, look, everything that you're going through feels awful. And perhaps one of the most powerful lines of dialogue um, in really ages yeah. that I've heard was when he says to her, look, look what is grief? Really, what is grief if not love persevering? And it's true, yeah. but it's also, that's a really interesting way of framing grief. Grief is not normally presented that way. It's not normally treated that way. And I didn't really look at it that way mm -hmm. um, until Mr. Vision here pointed it out. And it was... And I, I, I saw the reaction online, and I'll get to some of the reactions that I saw from this moment. But it was getting a lot of praise. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of love about it, though, is that it's kind of a good take to... So, okay. So, one thing people always say is that, you know, you tr every time so you try to want to give advice to someone... But, but like no matter what it is you know like how to handle a, a job how to uh just like handle certain situations that like you just haven't done before mm -hmm. and i like how something vision has absolutely no idea like how it is how to feel can somehow get her into a better place and so and, and again like i was, I was saying there's always this thing people always want to do. It's like, no, you, you could never feel, understand what I'm going through. So I'm going to ignore, <laughs> uh, like, so don't bother giving me advice <laughs> or I'm just going to ignore what you're going to say. And it's like, you never know what people are going to say. You know, they just want to try, you know, and it's okay yeah. to kind of like explain to someone like, that's just not how it works or just, that's not, it's just, you, I don't know. You get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> no, yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's um it's not an easy conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's grief is a complicated thing. It's not really that simple, but it can be comforting um when you have someone approach you in that way. Um and uh it was just a heartbreaking moment because after, you know, they had that conversation, they bond over watching Malcolm in the Middle. And there you see it. You see the beginning. Mm. You see the beginnings of their love for each other. Just the way that, you know, they're looking at each other, the way that she looks at him. I love that it was almost framed as like an awkward moment, though, too. <laughs> right. No, well, yeah. I mean, that that's how these things usually start, don't they? Oh, yeah. A little bit awkward. You know, it's kind of what that's in the very nature mm -hmm. of what it is. But it is also heartbreaking because, like, you know where this ultimately ends. Um, There's really a lot uh, at this point that... um. 
Wanda Ghoster, and then, you know, uh, Agatha really lays it on thick when she says, <laughs> so to recap, dead parents, dead brother, dead vision. Damn. <laughs> and did you see Wanda's reaction to that, though? She was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you talking right now? <laughs> And then she's like, I have a theory, but I need more. And then we go to S.W.O.R.D. And at this moment, boy, did they get us good. <laughs> did they get us good, those bastards. You know, and I was also of the mind, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, ugh. I... What we see here basically is Wanda go to S.W.O.R.D. headquarters, and this is what we all assume is part of the recorded footage that director Hayward showed the sword agents a few episodes back of her supposedly stealing the vision's body. Um, I thought we were going to see Wanda take vision's body, but in a different scenario because like, well, actually not in a different scenario. I actually, what I was expecting to see was Wanda, you know, just realize what they're doing to him and be so pissed off that she takes Vision's body and then gets the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very understandable considering what they show her. Um, but that's not what happens. It's not what happens. I mean, again, I thought a few weeks back that when Hayward used that footage, it was very much, shall we say, edited um, to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I feel if you notice... Hayward's um, very calculated takes here. I think he's very much angling for something. And at some points, he seemingly puts the idea in Wanda's head that she somehow has the ability to bring Vision back, which is what he wants ultimately. Mm -hmm. And what he's been trying to do was to bring Vision back because he wants his own super bot, basically. Um, which was all but made clear last week's episode. Um, and, you know, Wanda's like, that's not what I came here to do. I just want, you know, I want Vision to have a funeral. Which, by the way, where the hell is Natasha's funeral? <laughs> I don't... Hey, look... Tony had a funeral. I get it. Let's. But I want to say something. Uh, this that may sound a little. I don't know. Um, off color here. Yes, Tony Stark saved the universe, but it wasn't just him. People, Tony Stark would not have had the Infinity Gauntlet in his hands if Natasha had not procured the Soul Stone. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for her, yet I'll still be dead. No, yeah. Does no one care about that? I, I don't know. I hated that scene too. And like when in his funeral, like you only see like his boat, whatever. And I was like, yeah, could have put one for for Natasha. Like, what the hell? Well, Vision didn't have a Vision didn't have a funeral either. It seemed like that's also a little bit sketched. Did the Avengers just let Hayward take that body for himself after the five years? That's the weird part for me. Is the timeline is like. Five years had passed, and you're just now disassembling the body? And then if, like, if... 
If you unless they were unless they've been trying to disassemble it. Because remember, at the end of the episode, Hayward says, we've put this thing together and dismantled it so many times. Maybe they've had it for five years. Maybe they've been trying for five years to bring this back online. Mm -hmm. And that latest attempt was the the, the latest attempt to break it back down. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. My bad. (laughs) Uh... But what doesn't make sense is like, okay, so Steve just, they did really just leave Vision's carcass in Wakanda? I don't think so i mean it was right next to him why would they why would, why would they turn it over to sword i mean yes i get the vision's body is a sentient weapon or a weapon of some sort but still like that after everything that happened like would they really just surrender the vision's body mm. they wouldn't i don't uh, yeah it anyway just weird things that i noticed also what the hell people justice for natasha yeah that's all I'm going to say. That really pisses me mm-hmm. off. What the hell? Um, oh, maybe they'll bring it up in Hawkeye's. The movie? Or the movie. I think they said the movie was going to deal with it somehow. Oh, if they, I mean, if they are, cool, I guess. But I don't know. I, just, I feel like Hawkeye might bring about it more. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be weird if she wasn't mentioned at all. Yeah. You know? I mean, they also made it a bit stranger, too, because, like, you know, when you saw Far From Home, it was Tony's image that was plastered all over in every corner of the globe, but not Natasha. Mm. And not Steve. Well, Steve, I don't know if he's even alive or dead at that point, but, I mean, he's basically as good as dead. I don't know. That that just rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Like, hey, people, it wasn't a one-person job, um, you know? But um, he was the public persona, so I guess he would be the one that people would be most heartbroken about. Sure, um, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <sighs> wow. I mean, you just think that you know that previous scene of Vision and Wanda together was so bittersweet and heartbreaking. No, this was. Oh my god, this was heart wrenching. This is heart wrenching. I mean, she obviously she's in fury. You know, she breaks through the glass. Hayward tells them to hold back. Don't kill her just yet. I want to see what she does. Um, when she says, I think twice, just, I can't feel you. You know, she uses her magic. You know, how we, I think we would see her, in particular in Infinity War, she would use her the magic in her hands to feel the Mind Stone in Vision's body. You know, to feel his soul, as it were. She couldn't feel him. And then she just walks away incomplete. Just, you know, she's just devastated. That, mm-hmm. And I mean, that that's a lot to take in, obviously. Um, but at, the, at, at that moment, you realize, wait, wait. So she doesn't take Vision's body? Mm-hmm. Actually, Where is this going? Yeah, go ahead. I actually forgot about that when we watched the episode. It wasn't until like the after credit scene that I went. Oh yeah, she never took the body. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I just saw. I was just kind of like, "Oh, that's so sad." And then she goes outside. She gets in their car, and yeah. then like right away, my mind goes into something else because you see a note, and it went so now that's just like another mystery. <laughs> well, okay, I was a little bit confused about that moment because at first glance, when she sees the note. 
I thought she acts as if she hadn't seen it and that somebody put it there. Same. I really thought that, that someone left it there and we were going to get the whole I can bring him back type of thing or, or something. At that moment, I think you even said in the live chat, here comes Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> here comes the devil coming to make his deal, mm-hmm. which is, I think, I mean, and honestly, I thought that's what we were going to get. Too, yeah. Because it seemed like it was angling for that. But I guess the envelope was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it, in her acting, it really looked like she was surprised to see the no or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go back and watch that again. But like both times it, it seemed as if like she was surprised to see it there. But anyway, she drives to, um, oh God, what's it called? Newtown? New, um, that was called Westview. West. Oh God. What, Newtown. Mm. Westview, New Jersey. Um, so it wasn't a random place after mm-hmm. all. She heads there and she sees um, an empty plot of land for a house that would be sitting there. You think it was enough to see... You think it was enough to lose her parents. You think it might have been more than enough to lose her brother. She lost the love of her life. She saw him in pieces. And then she opens up the letter. And it is... I don't even know I can say it. (laughs) It's just so sad. It is... It's from Vision. And it says... It's the, uh, the plans for a house in the spot that she's in with a heart shape in the middle of the uh, of where the house would be and where in the heart it says to grow old in vision and this is and then if you look in the lower thirds of the paper this is obviously a deed and it said um for Wanda Maximoff and the vision. So this is an official documentation. It is technically her house. Mm-hmm. How dare they, honestly? <laughs> like <laughs> What can I say? I I don't know what to say. That <laughs> I is that it's just sad, honestly. This <laughs> whole episode was sad. What are you talking about? This whole damn episode was so sad. And then that was the last freaking straw. And she is so overcome with grief. What comes next is a pretty spectacular sequence. Um... I thought it was a good thing for her, but I mean, I think from our perspective as the audience, it was pretty cool to see. Um, in her grief, I guess Agatha calls this chaos magic. Her grief gave way to chaos magic, and then she exploded in this hex around Westview. You know, the house was created through the hex, and then the whole town is just completely transformed into the setting of the 1950s 
And what was the most shocking part of it is the chaos magic that she apparently has unleashed also gives her the ability to create life. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't bring vision back, but she seemingly created a new one. Yeah. From herself. Mm -hmm. My jaw was just on the ground, just watching that sequence. I was like, whoa, they actually went there. Mm -hmm. They actually went there. And it, I buy it 100%. It looks amazing. What did you think? No, I mean, the whole, that whole entire scene was just amazing. You know, you, like as soon as you see her going on the ground on that plot of land that was supposed to be her house, like you instantly know, oh, it was Wanda all along <laughs> that she started this whole thing. And it. I just, I like the answer that there really isn't a villain in the show. I mean, we're going to have to wait. Yes. We're we're going to have to wait till the next episode to really see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But they, they, they've delivered on something that, you know, we didn't, I didn't let myself actually believe, you know, because... This idea of, of of this Mephisto character, of this like this devil, you know, coming and making this possible because, you know, coming to Wanda in her lowest moment, it seemed very plausible. It seemed honestly kind of likely. But I love the answer in that, you know, we discussed this a few weeks back in the show when they were talking about like, reveal your big bad now. And people were saying, well, isn't grief enough? Damn it. Yes, it is mm -hmm. enough. Yes, it is enough, and it's better for it. This is so bold. Actually saying that, wow. Mm. They've delivered on something here. I didn't think they possibly could. Yeah. This is great. I was shocked that they actually did it. Still am. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, like I was saying, we'll probably have to wait till next episode to see, like, okay, right. who are they going to fight? Who are they going to stop? But... Like, whatever questions that I had, like, you know, those weird questions that I was asking before, I do believe the writers are going to handle it in the final episode. In particular, I think you meant, like, uh, the, the concerns, if the writers would be able to really deliver yeah. um, on the conclusion of the series. And I have to say, from what I've seen, I, ha I keep saying this every week, um, and just continuously blown away continuously blown away about what they're doing on the show and I'm, look we're basically done we have one more episode to go but i'm at a point where i don't know i kind of kind of have faith in these guys you know jack schaefer the showrunner mac shackman the director uh to pull this off because they've been doing an excellent job the job thus far you know mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it does put I guess a little bit of our nerves at ease that we're going to be sailing into a grand finale as it were. Um, it's just, I mean, just the implications of that sequence alone. I mean, yeah, Wanda is now, you know, of the caliber of being able to create life. And then you, th you think about all of the different questions going in your mind. Well, that that's a new vision, technically speaking, it is vision, but it's not, the old vision you know marvel does this a lot we did this with loki we did this with gamora on shield we did this with fitz and colson like 
we keep getting these different like um versions or of characters who are not necessarily the same um consciousness as you know the original version was but in essence the same person mm-hmm. um nebula also was another one of those um yeah it's it's go ahead i was gonna say uh i just i remembered um what i like though that she creates vision from her chaos magic it also i don't know if you've noticed but people notice that the eyes and vision throughout the show were like were humanized whereas if you go back to the movies you know there's like rings of circles within his eye to show like he's bionic basically uh-huh. And so I think it's just a cool little detail that with Wanda, she doesn't truly see a robot in his eyes. She sees a human being. You know what I mean? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I you know. I see what you're saying. I didn't notice that little um, touch. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. You can look at like an image uh, in Civil War, maybe, right before he shoots down... Uh, a war machine but like it's, right. it's that, that's like the closest shot you'll get of his face but like you'll see uh or you just look at age of ultron obviously when he wakes up you'll see the robot eyes oh yeah uh-huh. but civil war is like a great one to see like how consistent they were being with his details and then i don't know uh i think the one scene that you can look at in wandavision is uh uh when the kids were born and you know he was it was that one scene yeah. where he was being suspicious of the town and then like it just cuts in reverse or something <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't catch that that's interesting mm-hmm. um and i love that little uh as we transition away from the oh we see the reunion of wanda right of wanda and vision um which was uh it was lovely. But then after that, um, we basically cut away from the show, quote unquote, and we see Wanda standing in basically the set. Um, you know, Catherine giving her I'm sorry, Agatha giving her <laughs> a round of applause to keep getting the two mixed up. Um, and then she disappears and then Wanda runs out as she hears the screams of her children and again all throughout the episode, they're just they're going into places I honestly am not used to Disney being okay with. <laughs> you see these mummified corpses of witches, um, you know, parents being killed by bombs in your buildings, um, visions, um, mutilated remains, um. And Wanda's children basically being strangled. Children mm-hmm. basically being strangled by Agatha and then tightening her grip on strangling them. <laughs> that, that was an image. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's just... So, I know, Agatha, Agatha, Agatha here is like, look, she's cracked it. She's cracked the code for the rest of us. She's figured out what's going on here. I thought you were a myth. 
this kind of chaos magic and you're using it to make breakfast for dinner, which by the way, mm-hmm. what's so wrong with breakfast for dinner? Breakfast food is the best kind of food, okay? My Thank okay. You. My mom, <laughs> she makes some great food, okay? Pozole, spaghetti. But a good uh what is it, beans with eggs? I can do that yeah. all day. <laughs> Boy Yep, that's the truth. Breakfast is great. Yeah. Um and she said it. She said the thing. <laughs> the this you know the <laughs> the scarlet witch and then credits the whole world screams holy shit at their screen and um we're seemingly done. Before we get to the post credit, your thoughts on how we we ended up back around with Agatha and what you feel ultimately her intentions are going to be in the finale. I really don't know now. Cause like, cause it's just that they're going to be tackling a lot of things. It's like, you, okay, you, you want to figure out Agatha's intentions, but now you want to figure out, uh, what's his name? The director dude's, Hayward. Hayward, you want to see his intentions. So how are they going to combine that, but also give us an ending, a way to fix the whole hex thing? Oh my god, like it's just a lot, honestly. Yeah, I don't know what one, what um Agatha really wants out of all of this. Does she want Wanda's magic? Does she want to suck the magic out of her? Mm-hmm. Is something going to happen and where she comes out the other end of this and she's somehow going to show Wanda how to use her magic? It's weird. Yeah. I don't know what to, what's going to happen with that situation. With Hayward, I think it's a little bit more clear what's happening there. So we cut to the post credit scene. We cut to Hayward right outside of the hex. Thank you, Darcy, by the way, for coming up with that. That's a great uh, way to call the you know the, the vortex yeah. there, um, the hex. Well, it's and yeah. well, it's, just, it's just funny though because a hex is a curse type of thing, and that's exactly what it is. But I like how she added a scientific way of putting it too. It's like, okay, that's the hexagon, basically. Yeah, yeah the hex hexagon. Yeah. Um. So Hayward's been busy, and we finally, because like, I wondered why. I think it was uh, two episodes ago. You know, after Wanda had, you know, initially come out of the hex to threaten Sword, I wondered what it was that they collected that drone, you know, that Wanda basically threw back at them. Because if you remember when they come back into the tent, there's a close up, or at least the camera is somehow um, focusing on that drone being brought back in into the Sword headquarters. Mm -hmm. So we see it again. And it's basically being used to power up Vision's body. Yep. Those bastards did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know. Apparently, it's a direct reference to White Vision from the comics. I don't know anything from the comics. Maybe David can shed some information about that. Mm-hmm. But I have to wonder. It. <sighs> This seems like a bad idea. Oh, for sure. 
Like, <laughs> even if we're not going to involve the Hex at all, this just seems like Ultron all over again. That's... Like, did we did we not learn from the first time? Uh-huh. That's what people are guessing, is that he... Like, we think it's going to be Vision, but really it's going to be Ultron being brought back to life. Could that be possible, though? Yeah, because, again, he's... Uh, Vision's... He, he's a combination of both Jarvis and Ultron, and, like... Other things, Tony Stark, uh, uh, Banner, right. and all that. So it's it's hard to tell, but God, this is a weird thing. So with White Vision, multiple multiple things can happen. So the first thing is it could be Ultron, just pure Ultron, or it's just it is Vision, like our Vision. But the thing though in the comics is that he's emotionless. And in the comics, he and Wanda break up because he has no feeling towards her anymore uh, and everything. So it could be that. And then what that could lead to is um, Hex Vision um, could possibly take over that body and be brought back to life. Could be another struggle between him and Ultron or just or just him in his true form i guess um fighting and maybe you can have like a little thing of am i this vision or am i me like who am i exactly i don't know it could be or it could be nothing i don't know or (laughs) because wanda created him it's not really him Maybe he won't go back into his body. Like we're gonna, we're gonna lose Hex Vision, and we're gonna stay with White Vision, the emotionless one. Oh, a lot of questions up on the board for next week. Yeah, um, but there, there exists the the possibility that Vision, white or not, doesn't come out of it walking. Mm-hmm. People are pretty com- doesn't some people yeah, some people ahead. are pretty convinced that he's just gonna straight up die. <laughs> I think that's on the board, but I mm-hmm. think what you said is also on the board too. That um, you know the vision that Wanda created can use the synthesoid body that you know sword brought back. Mm-hmm. But still, like what what idiots? <laughs> yeah, come on, like really. Okay, I don't know, but I guess like I have to imagine then White Vision's the threat that they're all going to be fighting against. Um, I think alongside also, but then there's also Monica Rambeau. There's there's uh, Agatha Harkness, and then Fiatro. Mm-hmm. Which that's a whole other thing going on there. <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna bring all this back. I mean. Again, my priority and uh, your priority remains is that the show, you know, all has a resolution, a powerful conclusion with these characters. All the other stuff in terms of world building is secondary to me um, and not a priority. Again, some others feel differently about that, clearly. Um, But there were so many theories, you know. I think at this point we have to, th- I, I, maybe, I don't know. People still are thinking, 
uh okay well where are the mutants where's multiverse where like i don't know guys <laughs> maybe that this isn't really what we were leading to maybe this is all something that everybody just talked themselves into yeah no I, this is <laughs> this is always going to be the problem especially for like this um this universe and honestly if the if the dceu went well we will be having these same problems with these movies with those movies um but you know i think instead we have instead we have different problems with those movies. yeah it's just like whatever theories you have focus it on wanda anything else throw it away okay if you want to know about the multiverse if <laughs> Uh, wait until the movie that's called The Multiverse of Madness comes out. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and if you want to know something about mutants, uh, it's going to happen. Just wait till X-Men movie comes out or something. I don't know. Let me ask you this question. Do you have any predictions for the next week or are you not, you're not even going to bother guessing what's going to happen? I literally just came up with this, but you know, you were asking, is White Vision going to be like a main villain? I think it's gonna be both, because like you see that promo picture, right, of Wanda, Vision, and their kids, like they're all ready to fight. People were comparing it to uh, The Incredibles, literally. And, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed though. People didn't make it like a Fantastic Four reference, because Fantastic oh, Four are literally yeah. the first family of superheroes, but in yeah. this universe, not anymore. Haha. <laughs> um, uh, but I was thinking like, oh, that would be kind of cool if Fiatro still had his super speed and he's fighting, uh, I don't know which one of the brothers mm-hmm. and then maybe Wanda will, f- oh, and, um, Agatha, she mentioned like, oh, mind control, like magic. She could be doing that to Monica. Oh, that's right. So it's yeah. Agatha, Monica, Fiatro in white vision. All fighting against the the Wanda Visions. <laughs> I don't know. That also, by the way, like I mean, that would be a little bit of a stretch. Like, what Vision is not necessarily on the same side as Agatha. No, I know, but he is. Af- but I'm willing to bet Hayward wants Vision. So as right. long as the goal is there, he's gonna. But here's the question: Everybody that enters through the hex is changed. So if White Vision goes through that, what's to say he's not going to have his uh, his cells rewritten? Well, he's an android, though, so he doesn't really have cells. Kind of. But, I mean, we've seen trucks get their... Trucks get rewritten, oh, yeah. drones get rewritten. Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's living or not. Like, everything that goes in there changes. That is true. Well, then I think that Ultron theory might have to be thrown away, and it's going to be vision, an emotionless vision, going through because, you know, I don't think Wanda wants to change vision in any way, and, uh, you know, it's... And then there's the Darcy of it all. (laughs) (laughs) What is she going to do? I, I, this might sound dumb, but I feel like she's going to like run over Agatha or something. I don't know. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, good predictions, maybe. Um, I'm not even going to get into the business of thinking what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm just here for the ride, and so far I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it. So, um, but you know, there've been some really interesting reaction to the episode, as I've said. You know, there've been uh, um, kind of the polar opposites here. Um, I'm going to start off with Grace Randolph here from Beyond the Trailer because I think she go- she gets at to what the Marvel stands, quote unquote what they're thinking, right? And it kind of gets into the heart of these questions that we've been asking ourselves here. Uh, So at first, you know, she said that at first, at first I thought this was ironically the longest episode we've had yet, but with the least amount of answers. (laughs) But on second watch, I realized that we actually did get a lot of answers, but just not the answers to the questions that we were asking. Uh, so she was criticizing the show for planning so many red herrings and making it impossible for the audience to play along. And that a lot of the questions fans have been focusing on feels like an intentional wild goose chase. And the questions that she um, singled out were multiverse. Are we doing this or not? Where the heck is Ralph? Who the heck is Evan Peters? Are we bi- are we bringing back the X-Men or not? What's that book? How did Wanda create Billy and Tommy? Uh, were Wanda and Pietro mutants? So I think she's, she's probably uh, speaking for a lot of fans who are perhaps most concerned with these questions at top of mind. David, what do you have to say about all that? <laughs> hey, like I said, whatever theories you have, they have to concern Wanda. Anything else, you're going to have to throw it away. Okay, so how how did Wanda create uh, Billy and Tommy? Um, she's in a hex world. in a, She's in a made-up world that she can control with her mind. Uh I mean, it's really anything is possible in that world. I feel she answered that already. Like, she created them the same way she created Vision. Yeah, basically. Or maybe, or maybe they, I don't know, they they had sex. <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that's probably the easiest question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. <laughs> Are we bringing back the X-Men or not? No. Is that really? I mean, I know. <laughs> okay but that that's the question though like there exists the possibility that evan peters was only here because erin taylor johnson did not want to come back and if that's the case and it's not going to lead to any multiverse questions do you feel that was a mistake and that people have a right to be upset about that i don't think people should be pissed about it but I can't understand the frustration because because they did lead us into this. Like, oh my gosh, is this <laughs> is this going is this a multiverse type of thing? You know, is this a mutant type of thing? Like they intentionally led us to that. You know? But like either way in the end though, if it doesn't lead to anything, I don't know. <laughs> 
I mean, it's a weird thing because like I, I mean, I had those series too. Like, oh my gosh, maybe they brought him in from the X Men movies universe, or maybe it's it is him from a different universe, or I don't know. Like, I had those theories too, but I'm not gonna get pissed about it if I don't get answers from it, or like if that's not what it is. Uh, since now we know it, that's not what it is. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like the more we look back, perhaps the fan base really did a disservice to themselves for expecting one nine episode Disney Plus Marvel show to address the multiverse and mutants. Seemed like a tall order Mm -hmm. and perhaps questions that really weren't there. Um, it's interesting here. I have other comments that people were adding on to this conversation. Um, WandaVision director uh, expects a lot of people to be disappointed by the finale concerning the fan theories. And then this is what he said. I hope that they feel like the journey was satisfying for them. Shackman said when he asked what he hopes viewers take away from the WandaVision finale. I know there are so many theories out there. There will be a lot of people who will feel who will no doubt be disappointed by one theory or another. But we're always telling the story about Wanda dealing with grief and learning how to accept that loss. And hopefully people will find that the finale is surprising but also satisfying and that it feels inevitable because it's the same story they've been watching the whole time. It seemed to me like he was saying um, to some people, yeah, um, guys, you might not want to put too much stock in some of these theories. Mm -hmm. So be ready for them. Um, At the same time, uh, here's some comments that I found interesting. Um, Jay Thomas on Twitter said, If you are disappointed by the WandaVision finale because your fan theory of choice doesn't ultimately pan out, that doesn't make the show bad. And it's certainly not the fault of the writers. The only thing you have to blame is your imagination. I can relate, but it's true. (laughs) Damn. Okay. (laughs) Um, Whoa. Another one here. um, uh, At OMG More James. Also uh, retweeted this by saying, "The show about <laughs> the show about one woman's journey through grief is going to turn out to be a show about one woman's journey through grief, and they're going to lose their damn minds." <laughs> that is true. Honestly, like, what the heck does a show about someone's grief lead into a multiverse? Or mutants. Or just, I don't know what else they had theories of. The Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that completely. <laughs> that's right. The Fantastic Four. Everybody was thinking we're going to see Reed Richards or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's right. Like, everybody literally thought mutants, multiverse, Fantastic Four, all in the same show. Yeah. Huh. Um. 
Yeah. Um, let me get into some... Let's see here. Other takes that people are having with this show. Um, generally, the reviews for this episode have been great. There have even been some people who have called for the show to be nominated for some Emmys. Mm. Um, whether or not that happens, we'll see. I mean, I'll say this. Um, if The Mandalorian... <laughs> is deserving of an Emmy and it certainly is not, but it certainly was nominated for one, then sure as hell WandaVision should be. Um that's all I'll say. But it's not cinema. <laughs> oh that's right. It's not cinema. That's right. <laughs> um there were a lot of interesting takes and I want to get to some negative ones here because there were some pretty high profile um detractors here. I have here um a writer and critic for Slash Film. Um, Hoi Tran Bui. I probably destroyed that name, and if you are listening, I apologize. Um, she says, My two cents on the latest WandaVision episode is that, is that has the kind, excuse me, what is that the kind of wrenching character driven revelations I love. That would have been better served if it were placed earlier in the season instead of treating Wanda's trauma like some kind of mystery box. It's a really weird take. Mm -hmm. um, Kyle Buchanan of the New York Times responded to her comment by saying, I felt like it was only a mystery box to her, not the audience, and it's her journey to come to terms with it. And then Bui responds with, that's fair. I guess my issues are more with how the show puts priority on the Marvel lore, and my wish is that Wanda's journey felt less secondary so that this episode didn't feel like a major exposition dump. That's been a, a reoccurring talking point by some of the detractors of this episode, that it feels like an exposition dump, which to be fair, that's what I had called episode four for the most part mm -hmm. while overall i gave that episode a positive review those were my issues with it i don't really see what they're saying here because wanda is front and center yeah it's all about her i i don't get it mm -hmm. and then calling the whole show an exposition dump an exposition about what exactly like well, I guess like I don't know. Like I guess they feel like this episode was more concerned with expanding the Marvel Cinematic Universe than it was with focusing on Wanda's grief. That's the main point that I'm getting of it. But we just talked about the episode, and that clearly wasn't what happened. Mm -hmm. Clearly, what was the focus here was Wanda's grief. Mm -hmm. You know, not the X Men or Fantastic Four or you know multiverse wait when they mentioned the exposition dump were they talking about the episode specifically or the entire show the episode specifically oh. i'm talking about this this episode oh, okay i yes. thought they were talking about like the whole no the whole no, no, series no. okay this my episode. bad my bad uh no the the episode itself no like i said that that's that's what i thought what the episode was gonna be like i said like i just didn't yeah. want them to be a flashback and it stops the story no they progressed it in a way like they um for one thing, it was entertaining. Like Agatha, kind of like yeah. giving all her comments about her life and everything. It was funny. 
But also, though, it's just... I don't know. It's just sort of... It's weird when you give exposition to a plot, but this is more so like exposition to characterization. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't see it. And yet there are still others. Robert Daniels, a film critic uh, for RogerEbert.com, replied with, Yep, Wanda and Vision are still the side characters in their own story. And it's frustrating. If this is about Wanda's Wanda processing her grief, great. But if, But it's only been about her in fits and starts. Instead, we got a whole episode dedicated to Monica and Sword to expand the MCU. A couple of things there. I, it says here that one. He see said that Wanda and Vision are still the side character. What show are you watching? Maybe, may, maybe I can see that in episode four. Maybe because they were barely in that episode. But also, you're right. What show are you watching? What episode did you yeah. watch? Wanda was front and center the entire time. What? What do you? I. I okay. Look, I'm sharing these takes in the interest of people um, just having a deeper conversation. I want to be fair to all sides, but these were just really interesting. And they're, they're just, to me anyway, they're just somewhat, they're weird. Because I don't really understand where they're coming from. Because it's like we watched two different things, right? Robert Daniels also said this. Whoa, this is pretty, pretty um, vicious about this episode. The one that we just praised, right? This WandaVision episode was terrible. Sorry. The series, as much as with much of the MCU, underline that part, as with much of the MCU, and that pretty much suggests he's not really a big fan here. That's just my reading off of it. The series, as with much of the MCU, over-explains a lot. But this episode was entirely made up of over-explanation. And then this is the part that I don't get. He says, dreadful dialogue. Dreadful dialogue? Mm. What? Too many callbacks. And what did emotionally hit was severely weighed down by unnecessary filler. I don't get it. I don't get it. And then Chris Evangelista already, and another critic from Slash Film, responded with, I'd say this was the worst episode of the series. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is... Nah. <laughs> it's weird. Um, They weren't the only people to call it out but um it sparked a really you know twitter what is twitter i think it was jamie Girac who i mentioned earlier who tweeted what is twitter but hate persevering (laughs) (laughs) that's which because um this really sparked a, a really annoying fight because you know these people have a right to their opinions that's right but then some of them were annoyed that people were calling them out on their opinions, which I mean, everyone's entitled to their own point of view. But I mean, if people have questions about your take, that 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 isn't necessarily that big of a deal. However, I mean, some cases perhaps converge on harassment, and that's a whole different issue and not at all acceptable whatsoever. Mm-hmm. 
But what I did notice online, and there were even articles written about this, is that people were actually sharing some really powerful emotional reactions that they were, you know, that the show, that they were experiencing because of the show. And evidently, some people were making fun of them for having an emotional reaction, mm. which is not okay either. Um, it really went over the line. I have some examples here. Um, uh, let me see here. Matt Zoller Zeist, he's the editor at large for RogerEbert.com. You know, in large response to the uh, discourse that's been happening, he writes, Watching the most recent WandaVision and am baffled by some of the complaining I've seen in my timeline. I'm not sure what anybody wants out of anything anymore. Wow. I don't think that that's the, probably the best line of the whole week. I am not sure what anybody wants out of anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I think the whole show has been terrific. Easily the most substantial MCU production. How anybody can watch the scene where Wanda says, I can't feel you and get hung up on nitpicking. Anything else in this, in the episode is beyond my comprehension. That was powerful. It hit me in a deep place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And then here's some other examples. Um, um, Laura Donnie, who is the writer of this week's episode for WandaVision, also with the writer, the writing team on the show. Um, she said, or she tweeted, I told the therapist once that my trauma defined me. She said, no, it shapes you. It was paramount to the writers of WandaVision to not just look at where Wanda has been, but to spend time with her there. To give space and voice to her grief, to her loss, to watch her take shape. And perhaps a really powerful response I have here. Um, from Ralph Garman. He has a podcast. I'm not sure uh, what, what the subject is, but I thought there was a really interesting response he had to this week's episode. He says, I have lost several dear friends both parents and a son. I hated my own sorrow until tonight when I heard, but what is grief if not love persevering? Heart healing poetry. Thank you, WandaVision. I... <laughs> Some deep stuff. Um, and I, I think it's a beautiful thing that people are having a, you know, just a, a kind of a spiritual and really um cathartic experience out of all of this. And yet, and I'm not going to get into that part, but there were some people who were like, evidently making fun of these people for having an emotional reaction. I don't know. I think people need to like. I think people need to like just shut the fuck up about debates. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Like, I know that I know some others are saying, like, oh, we don't have conversations anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, about morality, moral things. That's the annoying part. But what the fuck does it have to do with people being entertained? <laughs> okay. Like. Yeah. Overall, though, I think this episode of WandaVision was... Um, it seemed 
whether you hated it or loved it, um, polarizing, I guess. Um, but I loved it and you loved it. And I think it only just made um, us love the show even more so. It's great. Um, before we go, um, as in before we wrap up today, there was more MCU stuff that happened that I want to get to here. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened here? Um, I had mentioned this and I think you were, I'm going to assume you listened to the podcast that I did recently with Peter Martinez. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talked about some comments that Kevin Feige made about the future of the Marvel shows. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I had talked about, um, the quote that he had gave to certain TV shows of the past, but what we didn't get into was um the overall commentary on it now if you have not been keeping up with it you know david and i both did the um what did we call it david was it called beyond the shield is it we the the weekly recap we did for the final episodes of the sheer of the series i think so yeah anyway last summer we reviewed the show in its last season and both of you know we did because we're both uh big fans of the series and I had mentioned on that episode with Peter that Kevin Feige had actually addressed the show alongside the Netflix TV shows because he was asked a question. Um, and I wanted to address that here. And a headline, because we talked about the headlines the show has been receiving lately. We talked about in recent weeks how it was pretty much being trashed um, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a headline for you. Marvel Studios president rejects Netflix and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. criticism. Speaking at the TCA's press event, he was asked by his approach, why his approach, excuse me, is more successful than that taken by the old Marvel television. Feige defended the likes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I love how they word that. (laughs) Feige defended the likes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, he said, I think there are legions of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans and Daredevil fans and Jessica Jones fans and Luke Cage fans who would disagree with you. Feige responded, rejecting the idea they were poor quality. I wanted to get your thoughts on, on these comments, David. Um, in, in Just in general, what, what Feige said here. Well, I mean, I don't understand how anyone could think Daredevil is poor quality. Like... I can honestly say that Daredevil is actually honestly still better quality for me, at least, than WandaVision. I mean, yeah, they got the visual magic stuff and all that, but I don't know. It's just there's there's just something about Daredevil that it just feels like they put in more work in a way. Uh, frankly, a lot of all of these shows, I think, are of a certain quality. Yeah, yeah. And yet, the question. That was being at like the fact that Feige had to like they weren't even named, but the the reporter was like, "Well, yeah, these these shows really weren't successful." What are you and then he was like, "What do you mean they? What do you mean they weren't successful? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you define as success?" Which I think was just emblematic of um, how they view these shows. And I think none more so than Shield, obviously, because um, it is so um, often left out. Um, like, let me just tell you here what I wrote in regards to all of this. Like the framing of the question just designates shield as not successful. I'm focusing on this because I have more about this that I found, um, which at this point, 
you know, is a frequent media talking point. How many times have we seen this? You know, just like, oh yeah, it, it, it just, it wasn't successful. Yet, um, how many times have we talked about on this show that that really isn't true? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have here. Um, yeah, to me, I, I feel ultimately a lot of these reporters by their like outlets like IGN, they they were covering this show when it was airing like in the first four seasons. But after the midway point of season four, a lot of these outlets just stopped writing for the show and didn't publish any more reviews. Mm -hmm. I know this because I was around and I was noticing how many less outlets and publications were writing reviews for the weekly episodes. And so, you know, three to four-ish years later, we're here. And um, there is just this perception that no one watched the show because none of their friends in in their respective outlets watched the show. If we talk about people like, um, you know, Beyond the Trailer, Fandom, Entertainment, um, Collider, uh, the other outlets like Campia or, you know, other ones, none of the people in their circles watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the first season. And so it stopped being a thing for them. And so because none of them talked about it, None of them watched it. None of them talked about it on their shows. It wasn't a success. But because WandaVision is being talked about everywhere, that's a success. See, they're using that anecdotal evidence, but it clearly is just kind of misplaced, I feel. Um, well, I mean, let's look at the evidence here. They're right in America. It's It wasn't at all popular. Let me just tell you something. Um... I had a conversation with a friend who was looking for some merchandise for this show. You can't find any merchandise of this show in America. <laughs> anyway, you can very little merch of any kind. Even less so the DVDs or Blu-rays. They stopped manufacturing those after season two. <sighs> there were other countries and regions that they were releasing the DVDs, but they stopped here. You can never see them when you go on stores. Mm. Americans clearly do not like this show and i can tell you the last season of the show averaged a total of 1.4 million viewers not great mm -hmm. not great um but that's a part of the story right it's not all of it and here's the thing we talked about para analytics we talked about a few weeks ago how every every media source and every person on these shows were saying look here is undisputable proof by this, you know, analytics firm that WandaVision is the number one show in the world. None of them covered that exact same analytics firm when they, a few years ago, were talk, were basically saying that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the most popular Marvel show in the world. They didn't mention it, mm -hmm. curiously, right? But there, that, 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 there's the evidence you need right there. It was the most popular Marvel show in the world, but not in America, clearly, if you look at the numbers. Um, there were other reports that were happening around the time that Disney Plus was doing a beta testing sequence. Um, you know, in some regions like the Netherlands, they got, you know, the chance to experience Disney Plus weeks before it launched. And if you recall, a report came out at that time that said that S.H.I.E.L.D. was the most popular show in demand that was being viewed while that beta testing was happening. Mm -hmm. Yet again, Again, like how many studies need to be done? And yet they're just not talked about. But there is another, you know, piece of evidence right there. Also from a 
quality standpoint, I should also remind people that several outlets like TV Line, Collider, and ComicBook.com placed the final season of the show among the best television of 2020. You know, the the series finale, TV Line graded the series finale higher than the finales of Steven Universe, BoJack Horseman, Star Wars The Clone Wars, The Good Place, Schitt's Creek, Arrow, Modern Family, She-Ra, Supernatural, Blind Spot, all of which are shows I feel no one could dispute are very popular. Or successful in their own way. Mm-hmm. I got more, but if you want to interject, go ahead. Uh, no, no, yeah. Like I've seen a lot of superhero shows and all that. Like I can, I can say for sure that Angels of Shield had like a very much higher quality than the ones that I've seen. Needless to say, I mean, just this week, Shield was nominated by uh, a particular uh, awards guild for sound editing. Um, it's been nominated by the Emmys for visual effects. Interestingly enough, because the show is criticized as so cheap, it was nominated twice for visual effects, I might add. Um, okay. In fact, if you remember, the, the, there was a short-form web series they, they did with um, Natalia Cordova Buckley as Yo-Yo. It was like six episodes. That won an Emmy. Hmm. So that was interesting. Um, but here's an example of what I mean when the media just – they don't like to hear for whatever reason. I mean, I don't, I don't refer to the media as a monolith. But there, you you just have to look at these various examples that make you question things, right? So this is what I have here. That's I think it was that same day where Feige was talking about these shows, you know, defending them basically from that question. Fandom on their Twitter wrote that thing that I read you. But let me I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to tell me what's missing here. So fandom posted on Twitter. Kevin Feige defends Netflix MCU shows after a reporter asks they weren't as successful as Disney Plus shows. And then they provide for you the quote that Feige gave. And then this is what they put. This is Feige's words that they put on their post. I think there are legions of dot, 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 Daredevil fans and Jessica Jones fans and Luke Cage fans. There's a very big fan base for those shows. Do you notice who they left out of that? <laughs> Shield? <laughs> yeah. The quote was, I think there are legions of Agents of Shield. That was the first thing he mentioned. But they left it out of their Twitter post. Why? Why? What's the point? They literally took the words out of his quote. Mm-hmm. Was this in a tweet or like an article on the website? It it was a tweet. It was a tweet. Okay. Cause if- and they had a different post about Shield, but the, in regarding to the rumors, but it wasn't in this context in which Feige was defending it. It was in a different context. Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say like if they were worried about like you know character limit or something like that, they could have just put Shield fans, not Agents of Shield. Yeah, but they didn't, did they? Yeah, so um, that was uh, annoying. And then there was another example here. And then this one's quite asinine, if you ask me. And this is somebody who I've been mentioning for weeks now. Um, Mr. Campia, John Campia, received a question on his uh, Super Chats. Um, The question was if he thought that, you know, there was any, you know, any truth to 
what you know certain people on Twitter perceive as direct references to Agents of Shield. First of all, there have been none. Some people see some things that they like to point out, like, oh, this is also in here. Like, there, there's been no direct reference to the show. Mm-hmm. There really hasn't. But he was asked about what he thought if um, there would be ever a direct connection to it. And then this is what he said. Understanding that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was never all that successful. Right off the bat, here we are. Even the most diehard fans of the show will acknowledge that. I don't, Mm-mm. and that's not true. I really this is, I really don't see there being any need to bring in... Okay, that was the first part of it. So then this is the second part. The notion that Kevin Feige should... And really look at the wording here. Should compromise the quality. Compromise the quality of his ongoing present really successful show all for the sake of trying to reference and prop up a former no longer running not all that popular show is not good business there's no purpose you don't throw something in or compromise your current super big successful thing just so you can throw in references to a show that's not even on the air anymore and was never all that popular to begin with. If that's true, then the writers for Endgame compromised their movie because they made references to the Dark World. It made Agent Carter, which was canceled too, by the way. Agent Carter, yeah, which I mean, I think we can't say it wasn't as popular, maybe, as Agents of Shield. Clearly. And they even made a... They had two seasons. And they even made a reference to one of the least popular comics, uh, like short runs, which is the whole Cap- Captain America saying, Hell Hydra. Mm-hmm. And so, does that make Endgame shit or what? I, I, I said a, we- a couple of weeks ago, this same person on his show had a whole story dedicated to the report that Parrot Analytics put out that WandaVision was the number one show in the world. He doesn't apparently realize whatsoever that the same source that he was referencing for saying that WandaVision was successful had also just a few years prior had released a study that also showed that S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time was the most popular Marvel show in the world. Just no understanding, no awareness of that reality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It, and I'm sorry, it's just like this person is usually, uh, in my view, really informed uh, of this business, perhaps one of the best, but clearly just no understanding of what the hell really is the truth on this matter. And I think that it's this kind of thinking, it's, it's these kind of comments that continue to be said, and again, you think this is an isolated event? Grace Randolph of Beyond the Trailer, who, by the way, is not like, some grand conspiracy theorist. Like she is a member of the Broadcast Critics Association, by the way, and she said last year when she was talking about Secret Invasion, the TV show, 
which by the way, there have been reports out there, some rumors, shall we say, um, that certain stars from the show may be returning in Secret Invasion from S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe. But she said at the time, which was back in September, that she felt that the actors or the characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were too TV. They were too TV to be included in the Disney Plus shows. And that if they would be included, they would be singularly responsible for bringing down the quality. Which is the second instance. Remember what he said here. Kevin Feige should... There's no reason why he should compromise the quality to bring in agency. Like what? It seems fairly obvious to me. And David, you can certainly speak for yourself here. But it's pretty clear, like, the trash talk is... It's just, it's just trash mm-hmm. talk. And there's no evidence behind it. Like again, like how many times do I have to go over it? Like all the different statistics that this show was very successful and it was very popular. You may, it, I, I grant you, it was never popular here in America, and there is some deep seated resentment against that show for whatever reason. In large part because people like Campia and Randolph continue to just lie. It's one thing to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't care if agents if if, if Campia thinks Agents of Shield is terrible. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about his opinion. He thinks the Trial of Chicago Seven is the best movie Netflix ever made. Not even close. I mean, he thinks the Mandalorian is like the best thing Star Wars, and he thought that the Clone Wars had a very okay finale. He never liked it. Like there are so many opinions he has that I quite frankly do not understand. So like I don't care what he thinks. What I do care about is just saying the truth here. And there, if I can look up myself the data that says that this is, you know, that Shield is. Very successful and popular. It lasted seven seasons, mind you. I I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, and well, yeah, I was gonna say that it's a. It lasted for seven seasons, and this wasn't like the CW shows where they're like, okay, we're gonna give you six seasons, so like it's on contract, and so that now the eight just gonna have to get six seasons, no matter the ratings, you know. But no, with it, with Agents of Shield, it was at the last last second they go, "We'll give you another season." This was every year, by yeah, the way, <laughs> every single year. This wasn't like, "Okay, we'll give you three seasons," and then by the end of that, uh, I guess we can give you another two more, whatever. No, it was this might be your last season, so right in ending, and then at the end, we'll give you another season. <laughs> you want to know how many times it could have been their last season? Mm. Probably four or five times. Four or five times it could have been their last season. Yeah. I mean, look, again, I, I want to be fair here. It was no, it was by no means popular in America. It just wasn't. There wasn't an audience here. But if you go anywhere else across the pond, there's a fan base out there. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine... That if there wasn't a fan base, if it wasn't successful, then why did Kevin Feige say that there are allegiance of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans that would disagree with the reporter's question that they labeled them not a success? And honestly, I'm at the point where like, you know what? If there are any characters that are coming, I I would want that to happen if just for the sole purpose of shutting them the fuck up. Honestly. And you just watch. If that does happen, if they are involved in Secret Invasion, 
some of them would be like, all right, well, I guess I have to watch this show now. Because that's how some of them are. Mm -hmm. But you watch, there would also be some comments saying, like, are you sure, Feige? Are you sure you want to do that? Like, that was a terrible show and no one really watched it. Why are you doing this? Which is in and of itself, I mean, the part where nobody watched it, a lie. Or, you know, being fair, an ignorant comment to say at that point. Um, there there wasn't a confirmation, but there there may be some things in the work if enough details evidently keep being spread around that sh that characters not just from shield but from the other shows like daredevil are going to be resurfacing um which they can do mm -hmm. there's no legal restriction against it they own everything and and interestingly enough campia said himself in that broadcast that he felt strongly that at some point Kevin Feige was going to say, you know what? These shows that Marvel Television did, uh, they're, they're, I don't consider them to be canon. He seemingly also was just unaware of the fact that the same week Feige didn't – not only did he not say that, but he defended them. So, Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting thing, um, an odyssey of sorts, uh, but something that I wanted to cover here – um, because this is the place that we have been covering this. And um, at least I feel anyway, the points that I've been bringing up have been fair. Um, and so there we have it. And I also put at the end of this, that way I give a chance to Alexis, Peter, and Kyle, if they even listen to this, to just tune out because they have no interest in hearing me rant about this. But hey, the rest of you can. Um, and I also appreciate you, David, for listening here as well, uh, for putting up with this um, in this situation. But if that's all we have... I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up tonight. Thank you all for listening. A reminder, you can listen to our podcasts anywhere you listen to podcasts on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, CastBox Now, Google, and iHeartRadio. And you can listen every single Sunday, sometimes on Thursdays. And catch us back next week for the finale of WandaVision. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. We'll see you all then. Stay under the spotlight, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.